All right, and welcome back to the next episode of the Students Rants. We are well on our way through the 30 day 30 episode challenge and what we're doing now is we're going to discuss public speaking and rhetoric. This is something that is definitely close to my heart as it's something that I have spent a lot of time consciously improving over the years, especially in high school, and something that people don't really put on the same par as finance or productivity or self-help, but it's definitely something that people should do. And that's why I really want to discuss it. So I'm going to try my best to keep this as short as possible. Maybe even 10, just 10 to 15 minutes, maybe almost like a YouTube video, just to make sure I get as much attention as possible. This is very, very much an important topic to discuss and something I hope everyone is able to take on board in the future. So that's it. I'm trying to keep this intro as short as possible. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so one primary thing that I think we can associate with voice that most people don't immediately associate is that it is a habit. It is something that is shaped by who you are around and your environment. What does that mean? Well, that means that your voice is not something that is completely constrained to what you were at birth. It's not something that's immediately assigned to you. It is something that you develop, which means it's something that you can change. Now, next is why do you want to change your voice? is because of this. Now we've established that your voice may very well just be a habit, something that's shaped by your environment and the people around you. Something that we talked about a lot from James Clear is something that defines a habit. It's largely defined by the people and the environment you have. It's the environment, the physical, the social. Now, if that's the case, we've now defined voice as a habit. Now a habit, as we now look back again to our first uh, two habit videos, is that your habit for most people is what shapes their identity. Now, uh, for those successful few, it is that their identity shapes their habits. So what does that mean, right? Well, on the first glance, for the majority of people, it means that their voice is something that influences their identity. That means their voice is by and large an influence of their personality, of who they identify as. Well, that just means that it is a malleable thing that if you were to want to change your identity, well, that is something you can do by changing your voice. And that's what the successful few are able to do. They're able to figure out what identity they want to take on. Something, someone that is more sincere, someone that is more confident, someone that is more extroverted, right? More outgoing, more social. They then reverse engineer it to figure out, well, what is the habits that someone like that would have? Now, through the lens of voice, what is the voice that someone would have if they had that sort of identity, that sort of personality? And then that is when you get a click, a eureka moment. It's that habit is something that you can use as a tool to present or to shape the identity you want to be perceived to be attached to. If I want to be perceived as a sincere person, I will change my voice accordingly in social situations. Now you can do that with anything, with your identity. Now, the next thing I wanna very quickly touch on to really just hammer this point in about voice being a habit is this cool word I learned recently about vocal archetypes. What does that actually mean? 
right? Well, it definitely convinced me. So vocal archetypes is essentially saying that in different habitats, habitats is the word a lot of people use, in different scenarios, situations, you have a very different voice, a tone, a register. So for example, uh, if you are in the workplace, right? If let's say you have your job, you're gonna have a fairly different tone or register or a very different voice than if you were at home with your family or at school or at uh, a social gathering with your friends. Now, if those all those different things have different voices, different tones and registers, that means that by and large, your voice is a malleable construct that largely defines how you are perceived, right? So hopefully we've hammered in the point that voice is a habit and something that you can change, something that you should change to figure out exactly who you want to be perceived as. This is essentially communication skills. Now, how do you change voice, right? That is, that is the next argument we want to have here. What do you do to change your voice? Well, as someone who's dabbled quite a bit in high school with public speaking and debating competitions, what I found is it comes down to a few things. So I'll just talk about mainly the more general things that um, you'll find quite often. It's your register, your tone, and your hands. So register, the way I like to think about it is if you really want your register to be impactful, it's almost like you have a whole spectrum of your register, right? Now, you almost like select different parts, reserve different parts for different emotions that you want to convey. If you're angry, you will have a more serious, more down register. If you're happy, you'll be a more upbeat register. So by that logic, it really is important, and this is something that just I do, I don't hear many people do this, I almost reserve different parts of my register for different emotions, because what that ends up doing is it very clearly links what you feel or how you want to convey something to your voice, right? So again, if you want to be someone who is more sincere in social situations, you may want to have that more upbeat voice, that calmer voice, something that's more approachable. But then if you want to be, again, someone who's more extroverted, you have a more louder voice like this, you'd have to be more assertive slightly. So that is how you manipulate your register. You register, and this is something that has to be conscious practice. It is not something that you're going to do, um, uh, what's that word, subconsciously. Um, it is something that you will do consciously, and you have to do intentionally, continuously, until it's eventually ingrained into your mind, right? Next is your tone. It's a little more different. Your tone is something that, yes, does convey emotion, and yes, is pretty closely tied to your register, but you have to think of it as something slightly different. So your register ties a lot to your um, to the sort of vocal range that you're attaching your uh, speech to, but your tone is very, very, very close to your emotion. And I think uh, more or less you have to spend time, just to spend time, just talking to yourself to figure out what tones you bring with your voice, right? When you are angry, how do you speak? When you are sad, how do you speak? When you're happy, how do you speak, right? And then record yourself and hear what type of emotion you think the person on that recording has. And you ask around as well. You ask people that the feedback loop is also very important when it comes to trying to intentionally improve your communication. Now, when you improve that tone, what you end up doing is you understand 
the sort of gap, right? Because between our mind and our voice, a lot of people just automatically assume that they almost dodge the idea of public speaking or rhetoric as a skill, communication as a skill, as a habit. Well, a lot of people assume that once they have a thought in their heads and they speak it, it's automatically completely perceived to the other person, right? That's a big issue in you know, forming good connections with people. Um, because sometimes you think you've emotionally said what you think you want to say, but it's not been conveyed well because of your lack of efficient, I would say, efficient tone, effective register. If you work on that, then you're able to build quite a lot of deeper connections. You're able to say much more, much more effectively, right? So that's how you will adjust your register and your tone. Again, something that I really do quite often, I just record myself. That is something that I found to be very, very effective, right? Um, And also asking around as much as you can. Having a true, honest feedback loop from people around you really does help improve yourself. Next is uh, pretty basic. I mean, a lot of people talk about this. It's their hands. It's your hand. It's it's your hands and your um, body language. So a very quick rule of thumb, something that I found to be very, very effective uh, is that you keep your hands around your belly button, no matter what. Keep Try to keep your hands above your belly button, max, right? That you can't have anything lower than your belly button. Once you do that, you're suddenly going to find that you're more purposefully using hand gestures to explain what you want to say. And once you do that, you're able to more explicitly convey a sort of picture of what you're thinking, right? Because at the heart of it, communication is a pretty masterful skill. And when you get to higher levels, a lot of people notice that there is so much to do to really master it, right? Once you've mastered your voice, then you have to be able to paint a better picture with your body. Like that is the next tool that you have. So your hands, right? If you're more serious, if you're, and especially one thing that I've noticed a lot of people have an issue with when trying this is they're not sure if they don't have any hand gestures to do, what do they do? As simple as you can just keep, just hold your hands together, um, like maybe a, a fist and a, and a palm, just hold that towards your uh, belly button. Something as simple as that. Just holding it there, just, it is uncomfortable in the beginning. Making sure you keep that going is very, very important. Next is filler words that often encapsulate a lot of people's speech. So an issue with this is that filler words essentially retract from how you're speaking, right? I've tried my best to avoid using any filler words now, but uh, if I um, if I um, talk a little more like, uh, like this, you know, it's really, really retracts from the impact of what I'm saying. Because again, something that I've heard quite a lot is from speaking coaches is that you treat your voice as a melody, right? A, a pretty nice harmony that you want someone to have, you know, joy listening to and learning from. But if you have these filler words that come in, they don't have any impact to this melody, any positive impact. They're not giving you any more information. All they're doing is trying to fill in or plug in the silence. That is what people struggle with. They struggle with the silence. People, a lot of people do struggle with being able to handle the silence. And that is something that, yes, fair enough, is hard. But again, something that comes with practice. So again, I recommend trying to record yourself or at least trying to talk to people and consciously, consciously trying to talk, let's say for like maybe five to 10 minutes at a time to someone and try not to use filler words. Now it gets regularly and regularly uh, easier as you keep doing it, but it's something that is very, very important. 
because at the heart of what you're saying is some sort of message, right? Now, if the emotional um, immensity, so to speak, uh, of your message is taken away by filler words, well, that's not very good, right? And this is all about, this is the heart of communication skills. You want to first master your voice and then you master your body. Now, to master your voice, it is the filler words. After the tone and the register, you start thinking about the filler words. Once you are capable of handling the silence, you're almost all the way there. Once you've handled the silence that comes with speech and rhetoric, then you are pretty much nine-tenths of the way there. Because that is one of the biggest issues people have. They are unable to hold the tension, so to speak, of knowing what's next and what they're going to say. And the reason I found a lot of people are uncomfortable with silence is basically this. So from what I've learned, a lot of people, especially the more high levels of public speaking or debating, are still not sure what to say, right? They're not sure exactly what they're going to say in the next minute or so, or the next, even the next 30 seconds. But they don't allow that to impact how they speak. They don't allow it to suddenly uh, amount to saying a lot of ums and ahs and likes and you knows because it's confidence. Now, how do you build this confidence? Well, a lot of people struggle with it because they prioritize, and this is again with treating communication as a skill and a tool versus as a natural ability. Well, a lot of people prioritize what they're actually saying um, to be the dominant thing that carries their confidence. So the second that they don't know what they're going to say, the confidence gets thrown completely out the window. And once it's completely thrown out the window, well, then the ums and ahs, the filler words, everything just, everything just piles in and your speech, your rhetoric, that melody is gone. So what do you want to do? What do you want to do to combat that? Well, you can start off by, again, once you are comfortable with the silence, you're comfortable with the time you need to think. Yes, I'm not saying that you should just be completely fine with walking up to anyone, walking up in a stage to present something that you have nothing to know about. But at the same time, confidence and the ability to handle the silence is all you need. It's all you actually do need to be able to stop with your filler words. Once you're comfortable with the silence, that is when you can start talking. And yes, um, something that I found quite, quite often is that at, um, when it comes to your negotiations is you are not able to immediately figure out what you're going to say next. What you have to do is really read from the person's language, read from the, what the person is saying, right? And if that's the case, you have to find a way to do the same. You have to realize that a lot of people struggle with understanding a very clunky, a very jagged, a very um, unmelodious speech or rhetoric of something that you're saying. You have to understand that not everyone is perfect and barely anyone is at perfectly transcribing or understanding everything that you're going to say. So you have to put in the effort to A, be comfortable with the silence because it's the reason that not everyone is going to immediately click to what you're saying. Most of the times you're saying something that a lot of people are not as knowledgeable in. That's why a lot of people talk together. So if they're not comfortable or if they're not as knowledgeable as you maybe in a certain thing, you have to give them time to absorb it. 
because once they absorb it, you're sort of starting to take them on a journey. That is what I sort of, that's the analogy that I really embodied or tried my best to embody when I was doing public speaking, especially in my younger years. Your job on that stage for a few minutes, for example, this is just public speaking and actual competition, is to take the people, the audience on a small journey. You're like a director for a film. It's right, like you decide what happens next. You decide what people listen to next, what people try to understand next. And once you do that, you are now fully able to recognize that you have to let them absorb it. Like a good film, you can't have action and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. You have to have time for them to understand and absorb and connect with what you're saying. Because once you do that, once you do that, then they are able to be taken on the journey of what you're saying. So again, now delving a little more deeper into what I've learned from uh, what I've learned a bit more specifically, it's that again, no one's, no one's perfect. No one's very, very confident in what they're saying. And everything is intentional. Everything is completely intentional. And something that a lot of people struggle to consciously continue is talking just a little bit slower, really making sure they intonate what they're trying to say with their mouth, right? Maybe opening your mouth a little wider. It's just these little tricks that I've tried quite a lot that seem to help quite a bit, right? Um, That is really how I think of rhetoric. It's very, very small changes, right? Very, very, very small changes that amount to really, really astronomical outcomes. If I am standing like um, with my hands to the side and I'm going to continuously talk to you, yes, there's going to be some emotion that's going to come from my face, but a lot of people by and large feel something's missing. And once I put my hands up, now there's a lot of more emotional connection. So that is what I've noticed a lot with my competitions. If once I include my hand gestures and my body language and my facial expressions, all of a sudden you can visibly see the other person is much more understanding of what you're saying. They mu- they're they much better at receiving what you're trying to say because it's almost like you're pitching them something properly. And that is the heart of what I think rhetoric is. It is trying to present something in a proper, sharp and precise manner. Now, I did talk a lot more about, I guess, more of a professional standpoint this episode, but I'll quickly touch on, I guess, social. This is a lot more to do with, like, when you're precise with what you say, you're able to properly talk about your emotions or your feelings towards something, right? And this is tying back to what I talked about with the tone in the register. So, once you probably are able to, and this is just something that I do, assign maybe a tone and a register to a certain emotion you want to convey and make sure you stick to it pretty rigidly, you are much more clearly able to show people, uh, show someone, uh, your friend, a loved one, how you're feeling. And because, again, no one's a perfect translator. No one is perfect at completely capturing what you have had in your mind from just what you've said, right? That is why I feel that this usually builds much deeper connections. When you are able, when you are able to properly speak. So now hopefully everyone's come to the um, ending and started thinking that A, rhetoric is an intentional skill and something that we must, must 
very explicitly be able to adjust and perfect when we have an identity that we want to pursue. So if that is the case, I do sincerely hope you've enjoyed this video. Uh, sorry, this episode, uh, podcast episode. Um, and I will do my best to talk a little more in depth to more specific things uh, and to do with public speaking and rhetoric in the following episodes in this 30 day 30 episode challenge. This was more of a general introduction to what I think public speaking and rhetoric is. Now, hopefully with just this episode, you've been able to assign public speaking and rhetoric as something a little more tedious and non-natural than you originally thought. Hopefully you are now at the point where you're thinking, hey, my voice is actually my personality. And in that very sense, if I want to change my personality, I can change my voice. And once I'm able to do that, I'm able to maybe more clearly convey what I want to say to loved ones or friends. I am more clearly able to express the identity that I want to take on as someone who's more extroverted or sincere or introverted, anything like that. It is a masterful tool that you have to understand you have. And once you do it, you can either be very calm like this, you can be more welcoming, you can start being more precise with how you go. And I'll finish off with this one thing. Everything is intentional. Everything is intentional. Like Brendan Burchard said in his High Performance Habits book, everything, especially uh, the habits of high performance athletes in all fields of human endeavor, most to all the things they do, have an intentional, conscious backing. And if that is the case, then what we can do is hopefully consider this as the next conscious habit that we continue to employ throughout our lives to better improve how we communicate and how we are perceived. All right, I do thoroughly hope you guys enjoyed what I've tried to make as short as an episode as I could. Um, and I will see you guys tomorrow.